back to Fight Capital, where we step into the ring of combat sports business. I'm your host, Ryan Rappaport. Today, I am joined by Daniel DeLalo. Daniel crafts extraordinary cinematic experiences through the fusion of emerging technologies, and he has a decade-long uh, journey spanning game development and film production, and he's a trailblazer in AI-infused reality. He's very well known for revolutionizing Guitar Hero, as well as a recognized futurist by GQ Magazine. And his role and time as a professional fighter has infused that real life experience into his technical life. And uh, before I kind of get into having him talk, we're going to show a video and I think it will give everyone a, a pretty good understanding of who Daniel is and what he's been working on. But if you want to play that, Daniel, it'd be great. Yes, sir. Appreciate the intro. When I first got this camera, I was going to tell you this great story about a fighter who goes home to save his family. You can see what you're doing to that. You see? Yeah. To save his mom. Protect his sisters. Help his brothers. They rally behind him. It was going to be a good story. But that story never happened. The man that was going to tell you all those stories, he never came back. It never happened. It never happened. It never happened. I did. I have a very different story to tell you. Daniel, thanks for being here today. I'm excited for this one. How are you? Where are you calling in from today? I'm in uh, St. Augustine, Florida, right outside Jacksonville, more near Jacksonville. Um, yeah, that's where I'm calling in from. Appreciate that, man. So, the, you know, tell me a little about this journey that you've been on over the course of over a decade now. I mean, you went from being a tester in Albany at Acclaim um, to your current role in development of VR and gaming and everything kind of around those emerging technologies. But, you know, talk me and walk me a little bit through that journey. Yeah, so I'll, I'll take you on. Like uh, Acclaim Entertainment was actually even before Activision was up in Albany. So I started working like pretty much, uh, you know, I've been wanting to be a game designer my whole life pretty much i've been around games like my dad was a craps uh dealer and my mom was a blackjack dealer in las vegas right and uh he brought us to new york where his family's from and he ran an underground social club uh basically for the Gotti family and uh they did a lot of like bookie stuff but basically they played scholar gin rummy hybrids and high low poker so this was why i was in high school and so i would go there I was basically like Spider from Goodfellas. I made people sandwiches, brought them chips, 
and was learning the business. But what I was, uh, I was learning, it was about like game fundamentals, how players come in, how you rotate them out, how you bring in big players and how you up the game. And uh, I, was, I, I was learning game design fundamentals, you know, while I was in high school. I ended up dropping out um, of high school and just pursuing gaming. And uh, I started as a tester for Acclaim Entertainment, which was up in Long Island, New York. That was like the Activision before Activision blew up. It was like pretty much the number one game company. Uh, they went bankrupt, unfortunately. And uh, I knew I, w I needed to up my skills. So I started with quality assurance. And then I went back uh, and got my bachelor's in computer engineering, computer science uh, from Full Sail University down in Orlando. I knew I wanted to become a well-rounded game designer. I knew I wanted to work on the Call of Duty franchise. That's where... I was playing and a lot of my friends were playing Call of Duty, Rainbow Six, Ghost Recon. And uh, I went after it and um, I graduated at the top of my class. I spoke on behalf of my graduating class. I'm very like when I put my mind to something, I, I, I get very focused and determined to like achieve it. Um, so I, 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 I was recruited by a couple of companies. I went with Activision specifically to be groomed to become a creative director on one of the Call of Duty franchises, one of their IPs. Um, cause they have several going on, right? They have modern warfare, they have, uh, you know, uh, world at war, all the, uh, you know, world war two versions, advanced warfare. So they come out with a lot of different versions. I wanted to come out with my own version, which was more realistic, a more realistic combat experience. And, um, I first had to work my way up while I was in Activision and I, and I did that. I worked all the way up into the innovations lab and, uh, I learned a lot in that process. And, uh, yeah. Well, when did the professional fighting, obviously you did the amateur thing for a while before you stepped into the ring as a pro, but how did that kind of work in into that journey and where did it kind of, uh, uh come to fruition? Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, while I was at Activision, a few things were popping up. Um, first when I, when I was doing rapid prototyping, I was working on a Call of Duty uh, version. It was called Call of Duty Roman Wars. And I, got, I dove deep into under, um, studying warfare and combat at the fundamentals, all the way back to like Sun Tzu. I studied all the generals, read all their books. Guys, Julius Caesar's documentary, uh, you know, his commentaries, he has two of them. Read them both several times. Studied Alexander the Great, Genghis Khan, all the boys, Joan of Arc, even the girls, Joan of Arc, Napoleon. And I really was like immersed in combat and warfare um, at, they call it polymology. And my gamer tag was, uh, uh, was Palamos or Palamos, which is the study of warfare at the psychological and physiological and the ideo ideological, ideological way so uh you you're taking a, a, a full holistic view of warfare and at, at its roots what it is so when i'm studying i realized i needed more hand you know like i need to get my hands like in combat and um i reached out to a documentarian that i thought was one of the world's best war journalists i told him I'm working on call of duty prototypes his name was tim hetherington he uh, got killed in Libya shortly after we have been we, uh, um, started our conversations. But he was uh, a, a war journalist that wanted to bring stories to the Call of Duty gamer. He saw there was a huge oppor opportunity to bring real stories uh, that are happening on the front lines. Enough of these fantasies. Let's show them warfare, how it really is. And not just romanticize it, but show all the lulls and the ups and downs of this. 
And when he passed away, I really was like, I saw what he was trying to do. Uh, he wanted to bring his stories that were pretty much in magazines and in this documentary, which Restrepo. If you get a chance to check Restrepo out, check it out on Netflix or HBO. You'll love it. It was Tim Hetherington and Sebastian Junger that created that. But it was telling warfare from the soldier's standpoint, and it was showing all the parts of them about like the brotherhood, the families wanting to get home, surviving this chaos uh, that we call war. And... Um, when he passed away, I wanted to uh, do what I was going to do with him, which basically I wanted to leave Activision. I wanted to join the military and I wanted to record every aspect of it from maps when you're first get, getting down to all the way to boot camp to everything and record every process of this. And I thought I had to, I needed him to help me do that. And um, so I was on that mission. I left Activision. I had a, a great opportunity to become a senior game designer working on advanced warfare. Everybody thought I was crazy. All my friends thought, like, what the hell are you doing? My girlfriend at the time was like, you worked all this time and now you're just joining the military. It didn't make sense to people. It made sense to me, though, because I want to become one of the greatest game designers. And I want to teach people how to fight through games because it's... I, I, me personally, I'm tired of just playing games. I want that knowledge transfer. I want to take it to the next level because time goes by fast and I'm tired of putting down the controller and not taking anything with me. And I know there's other users and gamers that are like me too. They want something in return when they put down that controller. They want to learn how to fight. They want to learn mechanics. They want to learn about history. I, I believe that. So I went, I left Activision. I joined the military. I never made it to boot camp because when I got, went down to Florida to visit my family, because I'm, I'm a hermit. I'll sit in. I'll sit in a. I'll sit at the computer. I'll sit there for days. I'll sleep under my desk. I'll skip all birthdays, all holidays. Don't call me. No nothing. I'm working on this project, and I'm going to do my best on it. So I was a hermit, and I was missing out on the reality of my real life. And I saw that when I went to go say goodbye to my family. Told them I joined the military. I'm in this program called Swell Neck. It's a special warfare candidate program in New England. Uh, I'm shipping out in 60 days. I wanted to say goodbye to you guys. And then when I went down there, I really, I saw the reality that I was missing drugs, alcoholism, theft, robbery, fights, chaos. My brothers were into, you know, drug dealing and all this stuff that I didn't realize was happening really at the root level. Cause I was so buried in my games and I just saw pain from all my family members, pain from all of them, especially my mom because she saw my brothers going downhill and they were bringing her down with them. So I did, I stopped thinking about games for a second. And I thought, you know, uh, I need, I need to figure out how to fight this war that's happening right now at home with your families, right in America that we neglect. So if I could figure out how to fight this war, Maybe there's something there that's supposed to, I'm supposed to learn so I could transfer that knowledge to the gamer later down the road. And that's when I first started getting into fighting because I didn't know shit about fighting. I thought I was a tough guy. I thought I was a wannabe gangster when I was hanging out with my dad, who was a real deal gangster. And my older brother, Damien, these are real du deal dudes that, you know, you don't want to fuck with on the street. I thought I had that ego. And then when I walked on the mat, I really, which I believe everybody should go to the mat. Especially if you're a first responder and a police officer, you should leave the force right now if you're not at least a blue belt. 
because shit's changing out there and you need to understand the fundamentals. And when I walked on the mat the first time, I had another revelation. Like I didn't know shit about fighting. I didn't know shit about combat. And I need to learn this before I ever thought I can even conceive tra training at the user or the gamer how to fight. I need to learn how to fight. And that's how it all started. Well, can you elaborate on a little bit? Because it sounds like that decision shifted and really affected your perspective and the goals. I mean, how did that experience, particularly on the mat, inform the development of your kind of upcoming virtual reality combat training project and where you are now? I really look like uh, I really and maybe it's just because of how I was um, my career and uh, everything I've done in my lifetime. But I really see a great game designer like a great fighter. They have to be extremely well-rounded. Uh, the top game designers, when you uh, look at them, uh, you, Miyamoto, the Will Wrights, the Clippy Bees, all the boys, right? Uh, Kojima, they understand engineering. They understand art. They understand animation. They understand quality assurance. They understand the producer's role. They understand it at a whole well-rounded level. And it's the same thing with a fighter. You have to know your jiu-jitsu. You have to know your wrestling. You have to know your striking. You have to know your muta. So they just clicked with me. Like It's like becoming a well-rounded game designer is exactly like becoming a well-rounded fighter. I have to learn and all the fundamentals so I know where my weak points are. And another engineer that I met while I was starting to my do jujitsu for the first time was Joe Lazan. You know Joe Lazan, of oh, course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The man, right? And one of the best uh, ground guys that you've ever seen, right? He was a computer engineer. So his when when you roll with him, you understand the level of like an engineering approach to jujitsu, which is like a you know a, like it's a real sophisticated chess game where they're really setting you up four or five plays down. So it's like really engineering mindset goes really well with jujitsu. I'm going to, I think I'm going to, we're going to start seeing more and more engineers, programmers, and well-rounded designers starting to start getting into grappling, start get, I mean, look at Zuckerberg. He's a, he's not the greatest, greatest role model right now because of, you know, of his portrayal in the media and a lot of his decision-making. Uh, but you can see that there's a shift happening where the designers, the game, the engineers and whatnot, they want uh, that healthier lifestyle. They want to understand more of their well-roundedness in the real world, not just the virtual, That if I answer that. No, you did. And you and you took the, the I was thinking already, Zuck and Elon and all those guys. And even like, I'm curious to get your thoughts because with Meta and Oculus, I don't know if you saw them strapping all the balls onto, onto Zuck and uh, Alexander Volkanovsky when they were filming all of that, kind of putting together that VR, AR experience in combat for Oculus. I mean, there seems to be this colliding intersection of combat sports and, you know, augmenting it in virtual reality. I mean, what should the, the listeners and readers be paying attention to as these shifts are happening? Yeah, I mean, there's, I'm glad you asked that question because you can't see through the noise right now. I mean, when someone talks about virtual reality or augmented reality or the metaverse or mixed reality, it's like some geek at some house that's walking around while everybody else is, is doing life, right? It's the worst marketing ever for a technology, you know, for it's coming back from both ways. The uh, Meta's, um, Meta's marketing campaign also doesn't put it to life because it's not just a headset that's happening here. Right. These there's there's different technologies that are evolving right now to create an immersive experience. Actually, the headsets, one of the lowest hanging fruits on this. All right. It's what everybody's gravitating for. 
but uh, it's the motion controllers that I'm most in interested in. Hmm. So my first job when I was out of college, my first game was Spider-Man 3, and my job was to do the motion controller uh, tutorials for Spider-Man 3. So I saw motion controllers at the early stage, what the Wii was trying to achieve, and I love using my hand. I'm tired of being tethered to a controller. I'm tired of being tethered to this mouse and keyboard. It's actually de-evolving us. Our, our wrists, our hands, our metacarpals, if you study anatomy and physiology, what this is doing to us is de-evolving us as humans busy, physically. I can't stand the way our current technology setup is. And most of these, uh, we call, I mean, I could say futurists, but most of these futurists um, and technologists that are on the cutting edge, they're all saying it's hands-free, heads up. Let's get away from being tethered to this thing. This is locking me down. I'm stuck. So um, I, we all look at the phone as a dead technology. It's dying right now. And we all see hand tracking, motion controllers as being the next way to communicate with each other fast and through our voice as well. You see it with Alexa. I mean, being tethered to a controller, it's cool for certain kinds of games, right? You want to be tethered to controller for certain games. Uh, you know, just go back to the roots Mario, playing those kind of controllers, those side, it, it, you know. But I think the evolution of immersive game gaming and what I call experiential gaming is going to use your body motion controllers tracking and it's going to uh, uh, we become the controller next zuck said something to those regards right you're actually getting a workout which i appreciate i'm someone that wants to cut the cords it's actually my grand scheme behind everything i do is that uh, one day i'm not going to have to log into social media one day i'm not going to have to look at my email first thing in the morning as i can Please. cut that cord um and, and just as a, a side note before i ask the question are you still working on the nft uh, collection project that you were working on? Ah, uh, the X. Yes, yes, the X. Well, you know, I, there's obviously like the negative connotation around NFTs and obviously like all the crypto, but you're working on something else. Can, can you explain a little bit about the concept and how the NFT holders will benefit from this approach to combat training? Yeah, so NFTs are interesting right now too. They're getting a really bad uh, rap. Um, when they're actually a really powerful tool for people like me. Um, I'm, a I'm a developer and a creative. The only way to bring like these kind of big stories to life is by me jumping on a company um, and trying to bring it to life through them with all these other producers and everything saying, no, this is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to do it. And really, just like Ron Howard says, if you take his masterclass on masterclass.com, every project you're going to work on breaks your heart a little bit. NFTs allow creatives and um, artists to create content for the community that they were targeting with that community. So it has, it leads to the opportunity of fine tuning the polish for the actual users and have them be part of the process and contribute it. And also you benefiting directly as a, an artist and a creator that you understand where the money goes. It's baked into a smart contract, so you can't hide it. They know how much percentage is going to go to this guy, going to go back to the uh, project. They can see you're able to track things now. Um, and it's such a great opportunity for 
people that want to break out on their own and don't want to be tied down to a big company that controls everything, right? So the NFT should be in a great place right now when you think about it uh, from its fundamental layer. But we had all these influencers that jumped on board with some project that didn't have correct intentions, right? But the influencers didn't know, even big companies, and when I talk about influencers, big companies didn't know the, the hunkered down layer where the scams can happen and people can shut things down and pull rugs, right? So we had all these big brands and influencers jump on without doing their due diligence, signing up to this project. Okay, these guys are going to bring to life. And then they go about their day in their regular life. Then they leave it up to this small little company, which is mostly young people that don't know how to start a business. And they they failed or dropped the ball. And then the influencers and everybody's like, oh, this is, yeah, we're in NFTs, there's shit. We're out of here. We're doing it. And then they just ran on their people. And I've seen it happen all the time. I mean, Logan Paul and those boys, if you follow Twitter, their community hates them. And like you just see, I don't, I don't have to, I don't know because I'm not a community member of what they did or whatnot, but you see this all the time. And I'm in discords. If you are not familiar with discord, that's where a lot of the web three stuff is happening. It's a way to communicate. It's like a slack. It's a way to communicate in a bunch of different layers. So I'm with, a, I bought into different companies when I started getting into web three, cause I was like, okay, that's a cool project. That's similar. I wanted to get to the projects that are similar to me. All of them failed and they just shut down their discord. A lot of people losing money. I'm already a year and a half into this. I've lost all my money. Six figures is gone. My wife is like, what is happening? And I'm still fighting the good fight because my name's on this and I can't stop. So now I'm stuck in a loop where I have to bring this to life and I won't stop doing it because I already committed and that's just my nature. But with this, with the, the negative look at this space, it ain't helping me at all, man. And with these influencers that just dropped the ball and then just ditched out and then started saying NFTs are shit, I'm not going to do anything with NFTs. You did, you're fucking everybody. Sorry for my language. No, you can drop that bomb. It's all good. Okay, good. You're fucking everybody that's underneath you that's trying to do it right. And that's, it's so shitty right now. But what they call it is we're, we're working through the storm and all the dead weight is going to be trimmed because they're just going to go away and then emerge. What comes out of this is the correct projects with the right founders that are doing it right. And I hope the X is like leading the charge on that because I, my community is strong and Alfie's, which is like sort of like the Google reviews of, uh, of web three. If you've done some shit, you're going to be posted on Alfie's like your community members can review you on that. We are in the top 10 of all collections even though we're a small one, uh, we even got, got to the top three and we're staying there because we're constantly building. We're constantly with our community. They know the struggles and they know we're here in the long run and we care. These other influencers will jump in the discord once a month. If you're lucky, I'm in there every day. These other founders, if you, if you start like a restaurant and your, your idea is to get, is to do healthy food, wouldn't you come look and see, make sure you're delivering healthy food? These influencers say, oh, I'm going to start a restaurant with you. I'm going to give you guys healthy food. This is going to be great. You guys are going to benefit from this. And then they just disappear and pop in once in a while. It's such a backwards way to do business. And I hate that NFTs got this, 
it went down this path, but maybe that's what way it's supposed to. I went well, on a little tangent, but no, no, you're, you're right on, man. And there's lawsuits coming, and that is, I guarantee, if not, or some of the people you mentioned earlier, I believe there's already some processing around that because you, know, you got millions of dollars pouring into these things of people's money, and then all of a sudden it's like, nope, sorry, this isn't a real thing. Which you know, the whole thing about blockchain, right? It is, it is building blocks, and it is a technology which is already critically being utilized by financial institutions and healthcare companies and the the whole process of it is revolutionary but it's people got the wrong use case for it for the most part i think so you're you're, you're right on saying that. Did, you, did you have uh footage from the game that you wanted to show or anything like that yeah let me show you a little bit about this let's see what i can bring up um okay yeah. all right so um my, my, uh, the idea behind the X is we're going to preserve the past and prepare for the future to prepare for the future in, in warfare. So we're resurrecting digital twins of all the generals. I have, I have nine generals, right? Sitting Bull, George Washington, Sun Tzu, Leonidas, you know, Alexander the Great, Caesar, Joan of Arc, um, Genghis Khan. So I have all them and I've created digital twins of them. I have an AI brain that is, is embedded in them now. So you can talk to them and ask them about their past and it pulls from all great sources. So you can get a really good conversation with them, uh, and understand the past. And what I'm doing is it's a, it's immersive VR that's going to eventually go into XR. Um, it's called the X for a couple of different reasons. First, it stands for the 10th, which is the first, uh, legion that Julius Caesar commandeered the 10th legion, which was his strongest one. That's where he went to conquer Gaul. He says, you know, when he was in Gaul and no one wanted to fuck with the king of the Germans, everybody wanted to back up, right? He said, I'll go with the 10th alone if I have to. And so the 10th got a lot of recognition, and this is called the X. It stands for the 10th. But it also is nine legendary uh, um, commanders that were resurrecting, first as um, just AI, but they're eventually going to be in a AAA game. I'm hoping it's going to be a triple A VR experience. I'm hoping it's going to be Call of Duty, uh, but on with real weapons, all real weapons, because everything's digital twins in my collection, real weapons, real tactics based on real shit that's happened. Um, and it's going to be a VR experience that you can learn warfare from. And I have really good brands that are with me. I'll pull up a couple. So I have Syndicus. They create one of the best American-made AK-47s. I got Core Elite Operations. I have FK Burno. I have the Big Daddy Damascus. There's only three of these made in the world. It's made by Cabot. It's made out of Damascus steel, and it has a meteorite handle. Um, so I digitally twin that. I have the Grizzly. Um, there's so many they, digital twin assets, and not just weapons, either vehicles. So I have the Skyrunner. Uh, which is, I could pull that up real quick too. The Skyrunner. Um, it's an autonomous doom buggy that's deployed with SOCOM right now. So it flies. It goes autonomous if you want to. Ghost Recon did a special on YouTube. If you check out Ghost Recon Skyrunner, uh, you'll see a sort of it in action. I have um, the Ghost Robotics Vision 60. So I have um, ground drones as well. Let me see if I can pull that up. Yeah, 
it's hard to see, but I have ground drones. I have four of the top aerial drones. So instead of Call of Duty, where you're just manning this drone on the fly, pressing a couple buttons and it flies and does all your work, literally you're gonna be using the correct drone and its interface. A lot of these weapons and technologies, so I, I'm deep in this, right? Um, DARPA, DOD, Army's Futures Command, Synthetic Training Environment, I've been in front of all of them. I understand where they're going with their soldier virtual training system. It's called the SVT. It's all built on the same engine that I've been studying my whole life, the Unreal Engine 5. Now it's the Unreal Engine 5, but their framework's all built on that. They're using the IVAS, which is a Microsoft HoloLens 2.0 edition. The IVAS has all your thermals, your night vision, everything embedded in it. And I'm bringing that IVAS and all these drones and showing you how you're going to actually control ground drones and aerial drones all at the same time on the battlefield. The whole battlefield's changing right now. I have friends that are uh, that are boots on the ground in Ukraine. Everybody, they're looking for anti-drones or drones because you cannot walk around in the battlefield like you used to. You can't sit in a trench and be like, oh, I'm cool. The drones got your ass and it's delivering it all sorts of ways. So people understand like drones are going to drones are going to take over the battlefield and also the it, it, multiple drones being controlled by one operator, he's going to be like a full-on army. And that's where the gamer comes in. And they don't even realize it. The gamer could be the next soldier, basically, because you think of it as like an RTS strategy. Mm. You're going to control multiple drones at the same time. And you're going to give, I mean, those um, air tra traffic controllers right now, not the air, the air combat controllers that are with the um, Air Force, they're already doing it. With the right? predators uh, and... Yeah, they, they, so they're embedded with the, you know, the, the SEAL teams and everything. There's more, usually one or two, and those guys are inflicting most damage on the battlefield right now. So this is not far off. And they're starting to use the Steam Deck to control the drones. So it's a, you're, they're using, it's merging right now. And I feel like, you know, I'm one of those designers that are really on that cusp that, um, not to promote warfare. This is not, if you study all the commanders that are in my, um, in my uh, collection, every single one of them is against warfare. Sun Tzu says the ultimate war or a combat experience is the way there's no bloodshed. Genghis Khan said, you know, I, the only reason I'm conquering like this is because I'm the wrath of God, because they're all, because all this mess up, everything's messed up right now. And I'm going to put it back in order. Alexander the Great was the same way. He's like, I don't want to be a conqueror. He's actually, I'd rather be a philosopher. But they're stuck in these situations and having these experiences where war was just around them and, and part of everything. I mean, when you look at America, and I'm going off on a little tangent, but you look at America, 95% of our uh, existence as our country has been in war. All, all this money we're spending all this, you know, I'm hoping that I can create a virtual army through an NFT collection. So we one day won't need a real army where I can, where I can get right now, Call of Duty's averaging about seven to 10 million users monthly. Right. And that's just on average, right? They spike up 25, 50, you know, roadblocks in them are almost into the hundred millions. If I could take a small percentage, I could take, you know, 5% and I can start 500, if I could do 500,000 gamers and have them trained on drones and then take them through a virtual training set uh, um, simulations so they get good. And then I could partner with a company like Skydio, which is one of the number one drone manufacturers right now, or Full Throttle, who I'm already partnered with. 
I could train them among these drones. And when shit hits the fan, I could uh, unleash a hundred thousand army with that control their own drones. I mean, people aren't going to fuck with us. Remember, and George Washington says, in order to prevent war, we have to prepare for it. And I think that's the philosophy. We prepare, prepare for it so we don't have to do it anymore. Ukraine shouldn't even be happening right now. All this stuff, it shouldn't be happening. There's so many bigger problems that we have. Let's get people food and water. Let's stop this shit. 100% there with you. And just as a side note to that, I actually uh, had iRobot as a client almost a decade ago now, eight, nine years ago. And I was at their facility and they, the Roomba and the, the, uh, not the, the, the bomb diffuser, but the one they said, the big arm one, I forget what that original drone that they released was, but at the same time they were still iRobot, but they were separating their military grade, uh, work and production. I remember this guy was driving what looked like an RC race car. Um, and it was going up the side of the sign. Like it was, he, it was, I don't know if it was traction or stickiness, but I was watching him drive this thing up a wall essentially. And I was like, holy crap. And I was like, that is the future of warfare right there is RC cars with bombs and guns strapped to them going up the wall over the embankment and, and taking care of it. Right. So I think that you're definitely onto someone and anyone who's kind of watched that, that combat footage that's going on there are definitely seeing that, that same, uh, role play out for sure. Yeah. It's going to get, it's going to get gnarlier, man. It's going to get gnarlier. And, um, I don't know what exactly my role is going to be with it. I leave that up to, you know, our, the ultimate architect. So like I live my life, you know, as I'm living in the ultimate design right here, it's called life and the architect of this game. He made it perfectly, you know, it's perfect if you abide by the rules, right? Treat everybody as you want to be treated, your neighbors, you know, work hard and do all those kind of right things. And so I'm just working hard. I'm creating this content because some reason this is embedded in me. It's like part of my DNA. It's already programmed. So I'm just going through the motions, trying to figure out like it's going to unveil why I'm doing all this. I don't know all the time. I, I get lost because I'm like, you know, there's not a lot of people that are doing this kind of work. Um, and so I, I just, I just leave it up to the higher power that I'm doing this for a reason. And hopefully I can play a little part and make, you know, life a little bit safer through games, you know, a little better through games. And um, because we all relate to them. We're, we're, and we've been playing games since the beginning of man, right? When we look back at how evolved games were, warfare is a game in a sense. They play it like a game. It sucks that it, I have to even say that because it's such a gnarly game. And when you really study it, and if people really were presented with the horrors of war, we would all end it. And I'm thinking through my immersive experiences, I want to show them the horrors of war so people are like, all right. We have to come together to end this because I don't think people really understand what's going on right now. They don't understand the gnarliness. And unfortunately, I put myself through almost an experiment by studying so much of raw footage that's coming from the front lines in all these areas of war. For years, I've been doing that, that it's almost made me and it, it, it reflects in my fighting. Like when you, when I hear that, cause I have an air horn, right? I have that Ram horn that comes, I have my own custom soundtrack, you know, to my own walkout. And when that Ram horn plays, I'm going to war 
because I've already seen it. There's nothing this guy in the cage can do to me what I've seen happen to other people. You cannot do that to me inside this cage with a referee, what I've seen happen to other people. And if other people were put through that, I could be put through this. So I'm, I, I, when, when that ram horn goes, you see it with my fighting style, let's, it, it's on because there, you can't hurt me like these other people that are getting hurt right now in war. Mm. Well, and you know, it's the, the, it's the people joke, the game of life, but in, in that construct of, Hey, we are in the ultimate game. It's all about experience. Right. And that's the beauty of life is experience and the same thing with the game, right? You're experiencing, you're going into these other worlds to experience something else, whether that's a, a good thing of turning off this world versus that one that's remained to be seen. And maybe there will be a singularity at some point where that's how it works. But in the meantime, you know, it's really cool to see you on the forefront of that and, channeling all of that energy and belief into what's happening because I, I think well this is just my personal opinion that you're definitely onto something um in that people being able to experience that well maybe hey take them a step back same thing like there's this guy a nathan carnage corbett he's an 11 time muay thai world champion and people go to his classes and you know what he kicks you and he punches you and he elbows you and he does it at you know a 20 percent you know power but uh, it hurts. I mean, I, I, he, I was in one of his seminars and my leg was lit up purple from my ankle to my ass from him just lightly tapping me. <laughs> but that's important, though. You have to experience that. You have to feel what it's like to be in front of 11-time world champion to actually understand it. And it sounds like that's what you're kind of bringing forth here in, into the world. Yeah, there's levels. Just like you said, there's level to this. There's levels to the fight game. There's levels to the soldier game. There's levels to this life game, you know, and uh, Julius Caesar said it best. Experience is the teacher of all things. And I, you know, I recommend anybody that wants to find themselves, go to a good local gym, check your reviews, go find yourself on the map. You're going to get humbled. But so far, the places I've went, I've had, I have not had a bad experience. I know other people in different gyms. Look for the right gym. Ask somebody that knows. Go onto the mat and learn from the experience. You're going to find out about yourselves and itself in a whole new way. You're going to gain confidence in a whole new way. It's hard at first because every new thing is, you know, especially martial arts. But if you've lost your way and you've lost yourself, you can find it on the mat. That's beautiful, man. Well, hey, for the people that are watching this and the people that are going to be reading the newsletter, how can they find out more about you and like what sources would you direct them to to, to follow you? Uh, yeah, if you guys can follow me on YouTube, uh, VR Director, all one word, VR Director. And um, I have my dev diaries going there. I've been recording everything. A lot of people in the MMA community knows me because I'm always with a camera at, at these events. I fought and right after my fight, I would grab my camera and the next thing I'm in the ring filming. It's just something I've always done because uh, I'm also creating my own AI version, which I think everybody's going to have eventually. We call them metahumans right now in the space. Mm -hmm. And basically, it's, a, it's an AI version of myself that could tell my story long after I'm gone. So I'm pumping in all this footage and I, I do metadata so he can recall data and tell the story in a whole no, another way. So on my YouTube channel, you're going to see my AI sort of telling my story out of all this archival footage that I've been filming for so long, because um, stories are the most powerful thing 
in the world. They, they spark change. They spark, uh, you know, everything. And I, 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 me as a director, I'm as transparent and raw as it comes. I show everything because I think we need that these days. I think we need the truth without being censored. And then we can judge and make our own decisions on that. And I, that's what I'm doing uh, with my experiences, with my collection and with my YouTube channel, you'll start seeing a lot of stuff there. VR director. Yeah, well, I'll make sure to put the links in there. And yeah, just thinking about what you, that first one I saw was when you're getting your hands taped up and it's you talking, but I'm looking and you can just kind of tell it's a not off, but it's not 100% you in that moment getting your hand taped in the story that you're telling there while it's happening is super fascinating. So I think a lot of people are going to want to watch that and uh, looking forward to to showing more of this. Also, if you ever have any updates, man, would love to have you back on and kind of broadcasting this and continue to, to put the message forward here. And just thanks for taking the time to do this. It means a lot you coming on here and telling that story. Oh, Ryan, I appreciate you, man. I, I, I always respect anybody that tries to give me a platform to share what I'm doing because it's, there's so much noise out there. I really rarely get a chance to speak to uh, on these kind of forums. So thanks for reaching out. I love your podcast. I would love to come back and give an update on the X. And I also, uh, I'm not done fighting. I'm older. I, I, I'm older and I'm going to say this because I believe in manifest, manifesting. I literally want to become one of the oldest UFC guys to get a contract. That's like my ultimate vision. And that's why I'm sort of just working behind the scenes, but I train all the time. My movement co coach, uh, coach is Roy Gold. He's uh, Ido Portal's protege. If you look him up, Roy Gold, he's my movement coach. So I'm training every day, but I'm preserving the body. So I'm not training it on the mat because a lot of people's best fights are left on the mat. That's mm -hmm. one thing I would highly recommend. Take it easy on your sparring partners. Be cautious. If you want this for the long term, be very cautious. The machine, the body is very powerful, but you could damage it very quickly on a map for some stupid thing. You know, so I'm right now building everything up so I could come and get a contract. Like my boys are Preston Parsons. All these guys are getting UFC stuff. I ain't done yet. My story is not done yet. And just, just keep looking out after me. You'll see. Oh, can't wait. And just to... Uh... You know, tell you that I, I don't can't recall one of these podcasts that I've done that I've had goosebumps pretty much the whole entire time. And uh, going back to the video, you've been doing that to me, man. So once again, thank you and looking forward to putting this out. Thanks so much, Ryan. I appreciate you, buddy. Appreciate you.